Hello, everyone, and welcome to DataFem, where we engage you with stories of how innovators across the globe are using data to achieve new heights in their respective industries. I'm Danielle, founder of Decayo Data, and to round out 2019, I have a special treat for you listeners. I have with me Kate Bradley Chernis, CEO of Lately, and we will engage you with a timely discussion about AI's role in content creation, managing a team, and how to proceed if you decide that entrepreneurship is the way to go. So let's get started with you telling me a little bit about how you started lately and what the concept behind the company is. Yeah, sure. Thanks, Danielle. So um, I am Kate from Lately. I'm the CEO. And Lately uses artificial intelligence to automatically transform blogs, videos, podcasts, webinars into dozens and dozens of amazing social posts. Very vital resource for the content creation community, for sure. I'm really interested to know how you, in the scheme of your life, came up with this idea. So I love it when lives, your life connects, right? Hopefully it does, right? You're leaving the life, the kind of life where all the pieces line up and you don't really realize that until you're older um, for most people. But so I was, um, I've been a line cook, I've been a rock and roll DJ, and now I'm a startup entrepreneur. And what they all have in common is it's like pirate world, right? <laughs> Same wild thing. Um, boys club galore in all of them. And um, that high of the ups and the ups and downs, like, you know, ra radio is not um, a safe job in any by any means, because <laughs> everybody wants a job and nobody pays you. Um, and certainly being a line cook wasn't either. But um, yeah, so though, and just to kind of circle back on um, lately and how we started the Part of the story starts after radio, um, like in the middle, where I used to own a marketing agency. So we can talk about how I got there later. But um, I found myself suddenly managing a multi-million dollar Walmart campaign. And this campaign was unique because it was Walmart collaborating with United Way Worldwide, the IRS, uh, National Disability Institute. They had Bank of America involved, AT&T. So like for-profit, non-profit government craziness. And then also tens of thousands of small and medium businesses. So uh, a real like all hands on deck kind of scenario. And I developed a spreadsheet system for the project that got us 130% ROI year over year for three years. Hooray! Congratulations. That's no small accomplishment. Thank you. Yeah, it was fascinating because what we were really focused on was um, making sure that everybody could play in the sandbox together, all these different size companies with different skill sets and different budgets. Um, so that was part of the key. and. Um, also like looking at the project 
and how we could amplify what was in front of us. I'm a big fan of like, I always say to my team, it's always right in front of you because you know, you're working with smart people. Chances are we've done this already or some beginnings of it, whatever it is, when your, when your brain is blocked and you're having that moment of, ah, like I literally just start looking at what, through my emails, I'll look through my, my word documents. Like I know it's already there somehow, some inkling of the idea. So that's what I was doing. I was looking through all the long form content that we'd created for the Walmart project and no one seemed to really want to do any writing. <laughs> like it's a funny thing about marketers, like even professional marketers don't like writing um, or they're bad at it. And I saw that, you know, when we spent all this time writing a press release, for example, so I would just go through and pull out the quotes that seemed to be awesome, put a short link on the end, some hashtags, and bam, suddenly we had 40 social posts and I, you know, it didn't take me very long to figure that out. And they got improved, got approved like super quick because they had already been approved in the form of a press release. Um, so by the time I met my my team, my now tech team, um, it was easy to look at that particular part of the project and then turn it into a product. That is a really cool story about how you developed all of this, because when you were talking about writing, I agree that sometimes writing is an underappreciated form of content. I think that you know, it's underappreciated even by creators sometimes because it takes so much more of a distinct focus that we're not accustomed to as much these days as other mediums. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely hard and we're right. It takes work. And, and I mean, for me, I spend, I mean, I'm good at it and I've, I do it a lot. And so I know how to get my voice in there, but I do spend time, you know, I spent an hour this morning um, doing this for a project we're working on and like, that's valuable time for a CEO, but it was a very special project. Um, But I think like, you know, having that jumping off point. So like, we like to say that we, we start you at third base and then it's the human's job to take you home. Right. Um, Because that human extra touch is really where you get that, um, that, that, that emotion, right. That's the, that is the little magical kind of thing there where it, where whether it's adding in, you know, explanations or emojis or some kind of like, I love putting in, um, um, like I'm an audio person, right? I'm an audio file from being in radio for so long. And so I'm very interested in how text sounds, um, as we read it, right? You read it out loud, whether you realize or not, like in your head and how, how we're saying stuff, you know, as, as we're talking, like how can we translate that kind of, um, emotion into words. And so, I mean, we have a keyboard, right? So there's lots of little tricks. There's italics and bold and capital letters and all these things that people seem to forget even exists, but there's also, um, ellipses and there's, um, like hyperbole. So, you know, jumping Jehoshaphat or hooray or whatever the terms are that you use. Um, but it's really essential to, add those component, not only add them, but celebrate those components in the, in the writing you do. doesn't matter if it's marketing or sending an email or a Slack message because communication is, um, is inherent to being human 
or any animal actually, but of course, like to just being understood, to being heard, to getting things done, all the things we want to do all day long. And if you're not able to do it well, you're hamstringing yourself, right? Yeah. I think everything you just said is really highlighted in your social media presence for lately online, because I mean, you make AI look good and that's important to me as someone who covers the data science industry, because a lot of people are scared of AI and they're afraid that AI will give birth to a more impersonal world, but that doesn't have to be the case. In fact, I believe that AI can free people up to produce the content that they really want to produce by having them know that when they're done with that content, it can be permutated into several other types of posts and that can save time and also make the content shine in its best way. And I think that your company is a huge part of that. Yeah. So, and thank you, by the way, and you're hitting the nail on the head. I mean, the point with all technology is you want a one plus one equals three equation right? That's the point. And so that's exactly like how we view our AI at the same time. It's not, it's absolutely not designed to replace the human and it's not just to make it better. It's that together it's exponentially better, right? So, um, and, and that's why we're having the success that we're having. And it's funny though, it's a little bit hard to explain because to your point, I mean, people freak out a little bit, <laughs> right? Um, and it's interesting because AI, I mean, it's, te it's technology like any technology. Technology moves us along the the human road, um, but true machine learning isn't happening anywhere. I mean, it's it's not. We're at the very, very baby step, so there's no reason to be freaked out at all. Plus, in marketing specifically, um, as we've been highlighting, marketing is emotional. It works because it's emotional. Sales, marketing, you buy stuff because you like me or you like the product. There has to be some kind of feeling that you have. It's any emotion that you got to tap into, right? Like, and that's the key to, it's the key to every interaction in your life, right? Like whether it's getting your husband to do the honey-do list or asking for a raise or, um, you know, selling the car, all these things require communication and leveraging emotion to to get the job done. And with that, a quick word from our sponsors before we get back to the show. Those of you who heard last week's episode with Am Lore know about my newfound discovery, Chipbot. Chipbot is an automation tool that replaces a business's need for live chat by recording questions customers ask, passing them along to the business owner, and saving the responses in a repository so that whenever the question is asked in the future, an automated response is at the ready. The best part about this repository for all you data nerds is that it can be plugged right into RStudio or Tableau for you to play with, not to mention automatically satisfy the needs of any customer who asks the same questions in the future. And how's that for efficiency? Chipbot is free to sign up, but DataFem listeners get 20% off upgraded features on getchipbot.com with the code DataFem. 
Welcome back. So tell me a little bit about your personal background with AI, because I know that to come up with this incredible idea that integrates AI into the business model so well, you would have had to run across it in some form. Sure, Will, you're making me seem a little bit smarter than I am, but um, (laughs) the you know what we what we thought about as a team was first of all of, of all the things that were in my spreadsheets with the Walmart project and all my other clients what could we turn into software right so looking at all those components um and their details so i'm not going to bore you guys though and we automated a number of them and they're in the lately platform but the one that got the the you know the shiny eyeballs was the auto generator and so we learned to rephrase and redirect what we were selling and how we were selling it. Um, good for us, right? We were smart enough to to see that. And we've actually changed sort of, we put our, our stake in the stand there. Like, so, so AI writing is what we do. Um, and everything around lately is designed, designed to amplify that at scale for uh, individuals and larger companies, right? But what we did this summer, which was pretty exciting, is we partnered with Anheuser um, in Bush, Bush and Bev, AB and Bev, and we have a roadmap. And they wanted to fast forward some of our roadmap, and so um, this is all in private beta. But we we worked with um, a team out of China who does specialize in AI engineering very specifically, and we studied 10,000 pieces of content from one of the AB and Bev brands and we used our our um our current AI to sort of be the basis of this new AI that we developed which allowed our software to create um sentences from whole cloth without actually quoting right so that which is so lately extracts short form content from long form content that's what we do now right and then we are able to enhance it with this new ai um by using a brand voice reading the content and then creating new thoughts and sentences from that theme that we studied in the brand voice by studying all of those 10,000 pieces of of um content beforehand so a little bit detailed there but it's really exciting because this was our first foray into or foray into um, autonomous ai just the little baby steps there right because pseudo ai is what everybody is seeing now it's some kind of machine learning that is led by a human a human still has to go in we have a tech team right they still have to go in and make sure that the machine can learn Um, in our case we built lately about 80 percent is all us and then we had the opportunity to integrate IBM Watson, and so that helped enhance what we do. Um, but we were doing the basics long before IBM. Um, so the answer is, I know enough to talk about this and be a little bit dangerous, but it's my team that does the magical work. I can tell you now that I love the word dangerous. And speaking of, it's really cool how you've set yourself up as a major player in the media industry for creating AA content, because I know from making my rounds that a lot of people um, involved with major newspapers and news outlets are using AI to determine 
you know, which content should be evergreen content or even for lightening the load on editors so that they can spend more time producing content and less time regenerating content for posts. Um, so I want to hear your take on how you've set aside a segment for yourself in this market and what you're doing to, you know, interact with your competition in the most effective way. Yeah, thanks. I mean, so we haven't actually met any companies and I maybe I maybe I'm missing something big here, but we haven't met anyone who's doing this. Um like we've seen companies who do the basics where they'll give you a headline, right? Like that everybody's seen that forever. They just give you the headline or the title of a blog, for example. Um, so the way Lately works is we're very focused on keywords. We actually study all of your social posts that you've written and published for the last year um, across all of your channels. And we're looking at the keywords and the natural language um, arrangement, I guess you might say, that have had the highest engagement. And we're learning from that and looking to replicate that. And then we allow you, the human, to curate that with us. So we'll make recommendations for your future posts based on what we're learning um, in real time and, and from your past history. And then we'll also allow you to um, curate that. There's, so there's a cyclical learning loop that's built into the software. Um, at the same time, of course, we have a larger data set of all of our customers that we're looking at the patterns in general of how, um, you know, how words are doing online and, and what the arrangements of those words are. And, you know, that's how when it comes time to, to this, again, this is AI speak, and I'm I'm dangerous, but like, we're not there yet. But when it comes time to build a neural network, we've got this, this basis that we've been building for the last um, almost five years, which is, you know, pretty, pretty remarkable. So, um, and to be clear too, so Lately is not a social media tool. Yes, we use social media to disseminate um, our product, but we're really, um, we're really focusing on employee advocacy and giving the ability of marketing, engaging messaging to people who aren't normal marketers, right? So yeah, we have a lot of marketers um, in our product and that's great. We love them. But because we developed a product that was made for lay people, that's where we see the most exciting uptick because now more and more everyone is being pressured to participate on social, not only for fun, but for work, right? And so how do you do that without feeling dumb? And um, Lately's positioned itself to, to be a key player in that space. I think that's an important distinction you make because more and more, it doesn't matter whether you're introverted or extroverted or love talking to people all the time and it comes naturally to you. If you're in the marketing space, that's expected. That's something that you cannot wish away, you know, um, and people always laugh when I say this, but I'm actually an introvert and I need my time to recover from a lot of social interaction. Um, but you wouldn't necessarily know it because I've had so much practice engaging on social media from my bed alone, you know, so it is something that I, um, kind of, it is a compromise I would say, because I get to be alone and then I also, um, and interacting at the same time, but it's on my own terms. 
So I think that your service is really important for people who are now expected for their livelihood to interact on social media, but might not know how and might not want to, or even might just want to learn the basics, but not keep up with it. That's something that I've heard a lot of complaints about that people are having to do that regardless of what their interests are. And I think you might be able to help mediate that gap. For sure. Yeah, that's what we're hearing as well. I mean, you know, one of my favorite quotes um, comes from a woman named Alicia, and she said, um, I don't feel dumb anymore. Lately, it makes me feel confident because it's giving me that that starting point, right? Because the fear of the blank page is real for all of us, professional and non, as you as you pointed out. Um, so, and we're really interested in those customers, especially, you know, we created... When we started, we created a small business tool and was really focusing on um, the self-service aspect of what we did. And we've we've pivoted to larger customers since then. But the reason we've been able to um, address those larger companies is because we made something that anybody can use, right? And that sounds so obvious nowadays, especially. But like, think about large tools like Sprinkler, Marketo, like all these marketing tools. They're not made for they're not even made for me. I mean, <laughs> like I've, I'm not, I'm not interested, you know, it's just so cumbersome and hard. And this is the way that enterprise software has been for years. And I, I mean, I hear not only just marketing, but from about sales software, like companies hate it. The people using it hate it because it, it's not made for humans. Right. Well, I think everybody is in essence expected to be a tech person these days. Um, and definitely we'll be seeing more of that expectation in the future, but we will also be seeing more of the expectation to be on social, like we've been talking about. And traditionally those two skills haven't really meshed, but then again, I think that's the beauty of being a founder is that you can take so many of those skills that don't mesh perhaps in a traditional societal setting and make them into something your own, which is what you have done with lately. And I think that our audience would really benefit from hearing how you were able to craft that entrepreneurial career out of your corporate experience, because I think that's what a lot of us want to do and where a lot of us want to be. Um, Gosh, that's so nice. You know, it's a funny beast being your own boss, right? Because like, it's a very, for me, what I learned was that the, my body was literally becoming ill from working with a-holes, frankly, right? And so the stress of working with, or in an environment that wasn't was unhealthy for me was turned out to be so much greater than not knowing for sure when my next paycheck was coming so I have the the temperament for that right and so that's sort of the key thing is like do can you handle that kind of stress like which which stress do you prefer which is weird because it's all it's all stress but um you know when I was starting the entrepreneurship journey I was um I was in I was at XM and I was really sick I had um my 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 body was just sort of failing me in a number of ways and i was so unhappy i felt i was sexually harassed of course 
because that was radio, um, which was annoying to me. Didn't It didn't bother me because it was just sort of par for the course. But what did bother me was like, I clearly didn't get the credit for the things that I did because I was a woman. And so there's this constant struggle, like feeling not listened to or not validated. And I was crying all the time and I, I left. I made a lateral move to another music industry related thing. And it was the same thing, the same boys club, you know, the whole all that kind of frustration and and I wasn't a very good employee because I was just so miserable and unhappy and crying all the time and one day my dad shook me by the shoulders and said you can't work for other people and there's no shame in that and this like realization washed over me because what I felt was a hundred percent shame like I just thought I was disappointing my male bosses like this is what my my therapy <laughs> needed to focus on like, wow. And, um, my husband, my boyfriend at the time knew I had this conversation with my dad. So he went and bought me Guy Kawasaki's art of the start. He's so supportive. And I read, um, like the first chapter and at some point early on, it says, don't make a plan, just get started. And I thought, well, why the hell am I reading this book? So I stopped reading the book. And the next day I went to lunch. It was an unusual lunch where a customer was delivering a product by hand. And it just turns out that these two customers were angel investors. I didn't know that. And they were like, we love you. Let's start a company. Here's 50,000 bucks. It seems like a lot of books on entrepreneurship basically are written to tell you to put down the book and get going, if you know what I mean. Um, but I think that the risk factor is really important for um, everybody, but especially those of us with families. I often feel such an amount of guilt because I feel like, you know, here I am pursuing a dream that I feel will give me a more stable foundation in the future, but that right now doesn't look that way to the people around me. Um, and I don't know if you sympathize with that, but I know that that's something that our society often projects on entrepreneurs saying that, you know, maybe we're selfish because a steady paycheck is something that you know, none of us take for granted, but that sometimes doesn't offer that stability in the long term. And we have to think about the trade-off. It does. And I, I just want to tell you right now, it is not selfish in any way. So um, for anybody listening, like being an entrepreneur is not selfish. It's, it's just in your nature and you can't not be in your nature. That's how you were born, right? Um, so definitely celebrate that. And as, as you're saying, you know, you do need that support network is the most important thing because it's hard and it's lonely. It is um, because it's a rare thing. Not everybody can do it. It takes a really particular, you have to have super thick skin and you also have to be um, belligerent. I believe like you, because people are going to tell you, you can't do it a million times. You just have to you know, ignore them. One of the most lonely things about entrepreneurship, and it happens in startup life all the time, is that um, people, they, there's a lot of people who want to succeed and will lift you up. And, and actually, that's one of the most amazing things that I've ever witnessed in my life, total strangers. Um, but at the same time, there's other people who all they seem to want to do is knock you down. And I I always seem to, to, to see that happening from people who, um, who can't see themselves doing it they're they have they're envious because they like they want to do what you're doing so badly so it's it's 
it's a weird, it's a very weird space. Um, but those are the highs and lows that we're addicted to, right? Like, I mean, I, this, like I said, this is really super hard. It's the hardest thing I've ever done, but I love it. And I love it because the highs are so high, but the lows are really low. I agree with that. There's a lot of loneliness and um, unmet expectations and frustrations. And I think that the reason that a lot of us choose to go about entrepreneurship anyway is that everything you do is yours. You know, the um, impact that you have on others in your community is yours. And you can let that impact fuel you. It takes a village, dude. I mean, you have, it's like, I don't know if you've been married, but when you get married, somebody told me this, that towards, as you get closer to the date, it starts to take on a life of its own and perfect strangers will meet you and be so excited that you're getting married and people will just come out of the woodwork to help you. And that is, that is all true. It happened to me and I've seen it happen to other people as well. And startup entrepreneurship is the same thing, especially if you're a a woman, like other women go out of their way to help and lift you up. And, and men do too. Don't, don't get me wrong. But the, I know this sounds fluffy, but the kindness of strangers is totally real, but you have to have like the wherewithal to see it and then engage it. 